We've always been driven by big inspirational goals, flying, developing medicine, walking on the moon. And while big goals are exciting, it's actually the little details, the small things that when done correctly and repeated over time, helps us achieve them. As business leaders face a new set of challenges, I'm on a quest to find the small things they need to keep in mind. My name is AJ Kalatanga, and this is One Small Thing, brought to you by Book Speakers Direct, the revolutionary way of selecting the best speaker for your event. My guest today is Ritu G. Marish, who is on a mission to humanize leadership. Through her work as a speaker, executive coach, and author of the book Leaders Block, Ritu inspires and supports leaders to openly talk about their challenges, dilemmas, and blocks as they go through their leadership journey. Ritu's clients include Google, Johnson & Johnson, and PayPal, but today she's here with us to share her unique insights into one of the most valuable aspects of leadership, being human. Ritu, welcome to One Small Thing. Thank you so much, AJ. It's such a delight to be here, and I'm really excited to be to be speaking to you and see what we, um, you know, undiscover for ourselves. <laughs> undiscover. I, I I love that term. I want to kick off uh, with something that I, I I forgive me. I can't remember if this is read off your bio or if it's inside your book. But you said something really interesting. You help leaders acknowledge that they have a block, and I found that yeah. fascinating. So my question to you is, why do you think leaders struggle to be human? You know, uh, and that's a great question to start with. Um, in my work um, of having worked with, you know, worked with probably over 300 leaders, and I'm talking, you know, 30 plus, na plus nationalities. So really, so it's not one demographic. Having worked with, a, with such a wide variety of leaders, there's, there's something I found is that as soon as leaders become leaders or they get into a position in their careers, they start to think they are superhuman or they start to feel they're superheroes. Uh, they start to look for all the answers. Um, and it's actually a combination of um, sometimes it's it's self-inflicted because just, just as we are raised, we think we should know all the answers once we become a manager or a leader. And then the second is the culture of the organization, which very often doesn't allow the leaders to fail or to make mistakes. And, um, and, you know, I always think of it that leadership is a journey and it's so cliched. All of us have heard that phrase, but what we don't hear or what people don't tell us is that like any other journey, whether it's through air, whether it's through water, whether it's through road, there will be bumps, there will be turbulences, there will be blocks. So if leadership is a journey, how can it be all smooth? Why won't there be bumps along the way? So why, why don't we prepare ourselves for that? Or why don't you even we acknowledge that, that, you know, as leaders, we will have some downtime. We will come across blocks. Where do you think, where do you think organizational culture comes from when it's one of those cultures that prevents sort of failure or not prevents failure, but discredits, uh, sorry, diminishes failure. Like you must not fail in this organization. Where does that come from? Do you think? You know, I mean, and that's that's a very interesting question because to think of it, an organization culture, it's not like organization is not an entity in itself. Uh, organization is defined by the leaders who are running it, right? By the CEO, the, by the boards or the management. So if we say organization has a culture, it means your top management has a culture, which is basically leaders who are who are setting that culture. Hmm. That's, right. That's and then percolates down. Yes, exactly. It's not 
a third party who's coming and setting that culture. It's the people in it. And it's it's more often than not, it's the leaders who are setting the tone, or who are setting the culture. There's there's something really interesting I discovered when when I did a few years ago I went to Sri Lanka and and I did a speaking tour in Sri Lanka and I've always like my background is Sri Lankan and and whenever and and so I've sort of grown up with the culture but I've grown up with the culture as a as a tourist or a citizen I suppose uh, and then when I did my speaking tour I observed the business behaviors and and the organizational behaviors was quite interesting and and uh, a lot of the culture is based around this hierarchical structure like you know, don't upset the boss, always do what the boss wants, you know, the boss knows best, that sort of stuff. And I noticed really something interesting about the the junior leaders or the aspiring leaders, you know, they they see that boss position as as a goal of of attaining it. And they 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 sort of see it as as okay, I want to get there, which means that I've got to prove myself. And when I get there, I'll have all this power and, and dominance and then I'll be the boss. And exactly. I find that is incredibly short-sighted. What has been your experience with uh, perhaps developing aspiring leaders within within that mindset of yeah, I've got to get to the top. I've got to. I, I want to have that power. Yeah, and you know, AJ, you indirectly answered the question you asked me earlier because you know, think of it: when you get to that position, you're an aspiring leader. Um, and you really work hard and you're looking up to that position you want to get to and you get to that position. Now, when you get to that position and for example, if you don't know something there, you're going to be so afraid of asking anybody for help because you're going to think I have worked so hard to get here. And now if I show that I don't know this, um, will people lose their trust or will I lose my credibility? So they attach so much of importance or so much of this energy that they've you know that they've put in to get here that they don't want to lose it and therefore they wow. they work hard therefore they, they try everything they can they do you know go long-winded way instead of simple thing of asking for help wow okay so this might open up a can of worms but let's see where it takes us uh Brene Brown famously came in and and said a piece on vulnerability and and she's incredible in that space uh, initially, when I heard her thoughts, I must admit, I didn't understand uh, the topic of vulnerability. And it took me quite some time to shake my mindset around vulnerability. I think a lot of people, including myself, view vulnerability, or, or previously to myself, I've changed my thinking now, <laughs> just want to clarify that. But I feel as though a lot of, lot of people can confuse, can fuzzle vulnerability as capability. They, they co-relate the two. And, and I would love to hear your perspective on that. Yes, I think, uh, you know, the fact about being vulnerable, especially in, in corporate setup, uh, it is while Brené Brown's work is, is really kind of doing the rounds and people are waking up to that. And I think it's very powerful. Um, I, I cannot say that it's 100 persons so accepted and people are living it. Okay, so there's still work to be done. But there is a lot of... Um, Leaders actually show a lot of strength when they say, I don't know this. Um, and the reason is because, one, you're setting an example. But secondly, you're also kind of, uh, you know, you're acknowledging that things are changing so fast, right? Like, so, for example, this pandemic that we went mm. through, none of the leaders had an answer, right? Yeah. Um, and even, even when sitting in 2020, people were trying to make that make their plan for 2021 and frankly saying this is the first time the leaders that I have worked with have told me and I have seen it in close quarters where they're saying 
while we're preparing the next year plan, but we don't know how things are going to be in 2021. So actually, this pandemic is a classic example where leaders have to say or are okay to say, I do not know what's going to happen 18 months down the line. So there is that thing, you know, that shift that's that's happening and it's happening in in baby steps, um, but it is happening and it's going to happen even more with the with the rapid change of technology, um, you know, this whole disruption, uh, because nobody nobody has all the answers. No one has the answers. It's interesting. And and. And and what is what I find fascinating is that old I, I can't remember which which one of my presentations talks about it, but there's there's a bit in one of my presentations that talks about the the questions are still universal, you know the yeah. questions are still the same, they're exactly the same, just the answers are different, you know. That's correct. And yeah. and I find it fascinating that uh, when we spoke about innovation before, you know, I observe this pattern of behavior of what I refer to as the drifters, the shifters, and the innovators. And mm. the drifters sort of just stuck their head in the sand. The, the shifters went online and the innovators, they thought differently. What's interesting about those three groups of people, even though they're so diverse, is that they all have the same belief that no one had all the answers, but they yeah. knew how to find the answers. Well, the innovators knew how to find it. The shifters thought, you know what, let's just do something and see where it takes us. And of right. course, the, um, you know, the, the drifters just stuck their head in the sand. You know, so so I think I think it's it's valuable perspective keeping in mind that you know we are in a big wide world and everyone is handling this differently. And I think yeah. it's also important to recognise that you know, like just because someone's an innovator in this particular instance, they might be a shifter or a drifter in another instance. You know, and I love how you talk about leadership because it bridges all that gap. You know, you don't have to be. You, you said you don't have to be Superman and you don't have yeah. to be Wonder Woman. You know, that's right. and that's right. and I think that's fantastic. Do you do you have you seen leaders shift their mindset? Like, have you seen a Superman or a, a Wonder Woman suddenly realize I don't have to do this? Yes, the short answer is wow. yes. I have wow. seen, especially especially when they they suddenly realize it, um, or when they are almost hitting a burnout stage, uh, they realize that okay, I've been trying to be a Wonder Woman, but how long can I continue? So the other question is about sustaining, right? So you can yes. be a superman for for a year, for two years, for five years, but can that be sustained, right? Can yes. that be sustained? Yes. Uh, it's like, you know, cricket. Um, you know, both of us are from cricket-loving nations. And yes. <laughs> um, you know, no cricketer has ever had a smooth run or or just a similar kind of a run throughout their careers. They've had a they've had a phase when they had to rest when they weren't the thing they went out they they practiced they recharged rejuvenated and came back and played played well again right mm-hmm. um, look at movie stars look at politicians like nobody has a smooth sail like nobody's performing on top of the game all the time they do take breaks they they kind of go out you know out of one season refresh come back. Um, and I don't know why we're not allowing that for our leaders. How's that? How are, how are leaders different from all those people? I, I find it really interesting that, and and you're almost like channeling my mindset here because that's exactly what I was thinking. I I sort of got to this point where I've been looking at these these trends, and I stumbled upon, uh, you know, the difference between what what you call let's say real world leadership, and and let's say I don't know anecdotal entertaining leadership. You know, we are all raised with beautiful children's stories uh, that that go on that you know hero's journey. And, you know, it's, it's quite entertaining. There's all these different plot points, you know. But for some strange reason, 
we don't we we don't gravitate towards the the negative stuff you know yeah. like every every hero's journey you know it starts the same there's a call to action challenge dips down oh that's the conflict you have to grow as a person and then you know rise whatever it's almost like everyone thinks success is like oh a linear <laughs> linear process right. and and right. i feel as though that's that's a lot of how we're raised also you know with these beautiful stories that everything must be flowery and everything must be beautiful when when it's just not realistic what are your thoughts yeah. on that you know and and i think that that's it's a great segue into into what i was going to say next it's it's a lot about mindset right mm. uh when we have that mindset that you know even if we failed at something or even if we are taking a dip there is some learning um you know out of it or the other thing is um you know that everybody goes through i think it's also about the story we tell ourselves right uh if we say that okay everybody around me if i look at any great leader even in the corporate world if you look at any great leader um you know or if I, if i look at a great sports person or or a uh, you know or a politician or a movie star um everybody is we only look at their success and say oh they're so big right yeah. but they don't look but what we don't often look at is like they also had some downtime and if we start to look at that and then say it's absolutely fine i'm not alone in this everybody goes through it and then suddenly that pressure is so off us like we we just suddenly feel like so uh, that we, that we are in with all these great people and i'll give you an uh, give you an example when i do um, you know sometimes these sessions with a with a smaller group of people or even let's say 30 people in a room and when i say that you know who's had a phase when they were not on top of their game um you know a majority of them raise their hand and then the ones who haven't by the end they they come to me and they say that you know i was so relieved to see that majority of the people actually had a phase like this or they shared their story because till i came to this training i thought i was the only one you know so the big thing for them it's like just looking around the room and saying that you know everybody's had a phase like this and then they feel suddenly oh like i'm not alone so there is also that whole thing of acceptance because it's it's a norm and therefore you feel you know you feel okay to accept it that is beautiful uh, and and there is incredible powerful um you know a sense of belonging you know when you know that you're not alone and and i would feel yeah. as though uh you know i've i've i haven't known you that long which is quite fascinating because we keep sort of crossing paths and we've got mutual friends but given the time that we spent before before turning on the camera uh it it really feels as though and and you know we had a bit of a chat about some stuff that I'm looking into and and the clarity that you bring is just purely remarkable and i can only imagine that all every single one of your clients throughout your entire history when you were still working in corporate to to now in your business i can imagine that you know they they all become the world of ritu you know they they all gravitate towards your thinking your philosophies and the people that you coach you know you give them that sense of belonging that they aren't alone and i think that's incredibly powerful like, you know wow. i i wish i wish i could take all that compliment but but i often say this and i say this in all genuineness that i am actually a sum total or i'm becoming a sum total of all these leaders that i coach so this yeah. is very little of me like i imbibe and i learn every time i i coach a leader like there's something i take away from from that and, person and that or, is is probably the real secret of of coaching isn't it like yeah it it's just yeah it, it, those that do it well like wow magical even in our industry like you you know the you know the the top coaches and you know the not so top coaches but right. yeah uh ritu what is one of the lessons that you've learned in your life or career that has been pivotal 
to to your understanding of the world and how you see your place in it? Okay, so it's a story that I want to share, and I'll take sure. you back to, gosh, like I mean, I mean, people are going to trace back my age now, right? So I'm going to uh, take you back to November 2002. I mean, it's so distinct that memory. So it was November 2002, and um, our promotion list had come out, and I was working with GE at that point in time, and um, and the list came out, and I wasn't promoted. Uh, of course, I was very disappointed, um, you know, so I decided to take a day off and just sit at home and brood and crib. Um, and when I came back to the office, my my manager called me to his room and, um, you know, he asked me that what's going on. And um, I said, look, I'm a little disappointed, um, but it's OK. I understand. Um, you know, he didn't look convinced. He again asked me and this time he said, what's going on with your team? So I said, I really don't know what you mean by that. And, you know, that's when he told me. So the day when I wasn't in office, my team actually went up to my manager and I had a team of about 15 people at that point in time. They went up to my manager and they said that they were unhappy and they were disappointed that I hadn't got promoted. I mean, I had never heard anything like that. My manager had never heard anything like that before. And he told them, you know, it's a matter of time. You should trust the system. And for me, that incidence has been one of the key highlights of my career. Wow. But it doesn't end there. Flash forward five years, I'm back in my manager's office. And uh, this time, he tells me that two of my team members have come up to him and they said that they're not happy with me and then they want to move out of my team. And I wanted to say something in my defense, but I just decided to keep quiet and I walked out of the room. And as I walked out of my manager's room, I thought, what happened to me? Like, how did I go from being this rock star to this flop star, right? Like, I mean, what happened? And as I look back, of course, um, you know, I I think I was in a classic, and I don't think I'm very sure I was in a classic leader's block. I was going through that, uh, riding on the success of of my last, uh, you know, of my previous tenure. Um, That incident really shook me. I mean, it took me days to get over it. My first reaction was to go and resign and say that, you know, I've let my, not only myself down, but my manager down, my organization down. My first reaction was just of that. And, you know, I, my, my self-confidence kind of really took a dip. Um, I started just questioning my ability because up till that time, I thought managing people was my core strength. And now if my team members want to move out of my team, there's something wrong because these are the people who had fought for me, you know, who had gone and done that talk. So, um, and then what happened was I reached out to my to my team and I I really I think that was my first um, instance of really being very bold. I actually sat with each of them one on one and I asked them what's going on, like, what am I missing? What am I not doing well? And I got so many great insights from them. And there were things like, oh, you don't pay attention. We've not done this for a long time, blah, blah, blah. And basically what that led to was me realizing that I had really started to take my team and my work for granted. Um, and I wasn't being challenged enough. And I was just kind of going through role fatigue. And that's another concept I talk about even in my book. Um, and um, and then I, of course, worked with my mentor for the next six months to to get all my confidence back and to kind of, you know, get back into shape. But But yeah, that, those actually, those two have been such defining moments in my career. And even in my life, to an extent of saying that, you know, just because you're good at one time, you just can't sit and not continue to work on it. And secondly, acknowledging that there is something wrong and then 
taking, for me, the easiest step was to quit and move on. Mm. Um, I did not do that. The fact that I did not do that and I decided to work through and work with my team over the next 12 months um, you know, was, was, was probably start of practicing of courage for me. Where does that courage come from? Okay, so I think it's, um, and, and I know you and me talked a little bit about it. Mm. It's that for me, at least personally, what works well is when you have that, what have I got to lose? Uh, you know, mm. when you go with that understatement or with that underlying belief of, if, if I'm not going to work on it, I probably have more to lose versus if I go and do something about it. Mm. So it comes from, I have nothing to lose trying this. I'm only going to gain. Have you always have you always been a courageous person in that way? Um, actually, yes. Now that I think of it, um, yeah. it's only when when you look back you connect the dots. That's um, right. So I, I, yeah, exactly. So now as I connect the dots, um, yeah, there was courage when I decided to quit my plush expat package of a corporate mm. world and go on yes. my own. Uh, yes. You know, earning on earning nothing almost for that yeah. first <laughs> peanut uh, power. <laughs> exactly right. Like I mean, that um, it it was courage when when I was in my early twenties and my first big international move was to the U.S. and I had never been to the U.S. I packed my bags and went from India to work in the U.S. So there've been like quite a few moments like that, um, which required which required me to to practice that courage. Yeah, that is uh, that is incredible. All right, the big question here at One Small Thing, we all know that we have busy, time-poor executive leaders out there that are trying to do these big, amazing things, but you and I both know that it's the power of the one small things, the little things that stack up over time that deliver the results. So, Ritu, please, what is the one small thing that you would like all these amazing leaders around the world to keep in mind as they pursue their bigger goals? What's the one small thing? So for me, the one small thing, which is not so small, is for every leader to have a board of advisors, uh, to have your inner circle. And they should constitute of different people. So a coach, a mentor, um, a colleague, um, you know, or maybe a friend, um, and also some, someone from your team, team, uh, team. Uh, basically very diverse people uh, who can give you brutal feedback can be honest with you, um, can be your sounding board, can be your speaking mic, when, um, and who will not judge you for anything you do. So if, uh, if as a leader, if you can gather five, six, whatever the number you're comfortable with, diverse set of people as your board of advisor, you are going to be in a good space um, instead of networking and trying to get 30 influential people in your network. Yeah. You know, that has, that has, that has a place in itself, but you need that board of advisor, uh, for sure. So that's yeah, my, uh, that is, that is, that is so true. And, and I cannot, I cannot tell you how many times my inner circle has, has helped me navigate life. And it always hasn't been the same amount of people in those inner circles, you know, like reason, season, lifetime. Um, yeah. but you know, the, the people that I've got around me in, in those circles, they have really sort of, you know, I've, I've, like you said, I've got a diverse range of people and um, some of them are more nurturing, you know, when I need that, you know, sympathy vote, <laughs> some of them give me the sympathy yeah. vote. Uh, some of them are very, uh, okay, stop crying. Let's fix this now. Bang, get onto it. Some of them are, hey, have you thought about this? 
And I know, like we we sort of spoke about vulnerability before. I know that as much as as much as I sort of, you know, get out there and push myself out there, I am incredibly stubborn in my thinking, and I take a long time to shift perspective. Uh, you know, and and I just want to say that like the people in my inner circle, bless them, bless them for putting up with me. You know, like it's just they deserve medals, all of them. Then they're just beautiful souls who. And 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 I love your point about. You said something about, um, you said something about they won't judge you, you yes. know, and, and, and I think that is imperative people that will not judge you, you know, and, yeah. and also, also I'm blessed because all the people in my inner circle, they have one goal, which is they want to see me succeed, you know, and, and they see me as a flawed human being. They see me at my worst. They also hear about my best stuff, but they see me at my worst and, and all they want to do is just AJ's got to succeed, you know, yeah. and that is just, wow. So, yeah. Ritu, thank you so much for your kindness, your generosity in sharing these beautiful stories with us. Uh, I am I'm in awe of, you know, everything you've shared and also the stuff that we spoke about before. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, for, for everyone listening in, uh, Ritu can be booked by bookspeakersdirect.com, uh, the revolutionary way of booking speakers and finding the perfect speaker for your next event. So, Ritu, thank you so much for coming on the show. And, uh, and people will hopefully get in touch with you and book you either as a speaker, a coach, and, uh, and buy your book as well. So thank you so much, Ritu. Thank you so much, AJ, once again for having me on the show. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank Likewise. you. Likewise. Take care. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it an appropriate thumbs up on whatever platform you're consuming it on and subscribe for future episodes. Thanks again to our sponsors, Book Speakers Direct, the revolutionary way of finding the perfect speaker for your event. Thank you.